Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Time for Lombardi Memories, a show that takes you back in time, into January or February, to the greatest one-day spectacle in all sports. This is the Every Other Tuesday podcast that looks back at each and every one of the 50-plus Super Bowls and tells the story of who won and why. For the fan who needs more than just a box score, this podcast goes drive-by-drive, play-by-play, through the most dramatic games in history. I'm your host, Tommy A. Phillips, and you can visit my website at TommyAPhillips.com where you can find all of my books. Those include Great 80s, a book that covers this Super Bowl and the next six of them as well. Today we have Super Bowl 18, which was held on January 22nd. 1984 at the old sombrero tampa stadium home of the tampa bay buccaneers and this game was between the afc champion los angeles raiders and the nfc champion washington redskins if you're looking for the full story of this 1983 season pick up my great 80s book and you'll learn more than you ever wanted to know about that year and the rest of the 80s. As always, we have a pop quiz and then homework at the end of the episode. The pop quiz question for today is, who broke Marcus Allen's record for the longest run in Super Bowl history? The answer will come at the end of the podcast. The Los Angeles Raiders were trying to recover from an early exit in the playoffs last season after having only one regular season loss. They had a bit of a bumpy ride at times during this 1983 season. They lost a shootout to the Washington Redskins 37-35, and they were swept at the hands of the Seattle Seahawks but they bounced back with five straight wins and they finished the season 12-4 with the number one seed in the AFC. The Raiders had no problem in the playoffs this time around. They beat AFC Central champion Pittsburgh 38-10. This sort of set up a titanic class with the number two seeded Miami Dolphins, but wildcard Seattle upset them. That meant that LA would get a third try at beating the Seahawks. This time they did by a 30-14 score, 
and they were on to their fourth Super Bowl and first since moving to L.A. The Raiders were led by quarterback Jim Plunkett, who threw for nearly 3,000 yards and 20 touchdowns. He did have 18 interceptions, though, so his passer rating wasn't so good. It was about 82.7. He had help in running back Marcus Allen, who ran for just over 1,000 yards and 9 touchdowns. Frank Hawkins was a good change of pace back. He ran for over 500 yards and six touchdowns. The Raiders' top two receivers weren't even receivers at all. They were tight end Todd Christensen with 92 for 1,247 yards and 12 TDs, and Allen for 68 receptions for 590 yards and two touchdowns. So the top wide receiver on the team was Cliff Rance. He had 39 catches for 696 yards and five touchdowns. But he was only third in the, on the team in catches. Leading the team in sacks was Howie Long with 13. And Van McElroy led in interceptions with eight. The Washington Redskins started out the 1983 season with a stinging loss to the Dallas Cowboys. Reigning NFL MVP Mark Mosley missed some clutch kicks that cost his team the game. The Skins then bounced back with five wins in a row. Their seventh game at Green Bay was one of the most famous in NFL history. In the highest scoring game of Monday football ever, the Skins lost 48-47 when Mosley again missed the game-winning field goal. Now, the, the record for the highest-scoring Monday night football game was later broken in 2019. The Redskins then won nine games in a row, including the No Danny No game over the Cowboys in Week 15. <laughs> you want to know about that one? Uh, pick up my book, Grade 80s. It tells the story of the No Danny No game. Um, so the Redskins, they went into the playoffs at 14-2. and two. The Redskins easily beat the Rams 51-7 in the divisional round, then got into a real showdown in the NFC Championship game with the 49ers. The Skins took the early lead, then San Francisco battled back to tie it. On the final drive, the 49ers got called for several pa questionable pass interference penalties. Those led to the game-winning field goal, which Mosley did make this time to send the Redskins to Super Bowl 18 with a 24-21 victory. This Redskins team scored the most points in NFL history in the regular season with 541. A record that would stand for 15 years until the 1998 Minnesota Vikings broke it. Quarterback Joe Theismann led the way with 3,714 passing yards and 29 touchdowns, as opposed to just 11 interceptions. Running back John Riggins was still a workhorse, rushing for 1,347 yards and 24 touchdowns. Receiver Charlie Brown caught 78 passes for 1,225 yards and 8 touchdowns to lead the team in all three categories. On defense, Mark Murphy, now the 
owner, the CEO of the Green Bay Packers. Uh, he led with nine interceptions. And three Redskins have 10 or more sacks. Dave Butts, Dexter Manley, and Tony McGee. Raiders, who came in as three-point underdogs, won the toss and started the game with the ball. Allen ran for five yards, and then he caught a pass for a first down. And But after that, Plunkett tried throwing the running back Kenny King on the next third down. He caught it, but he came up short of the first down. Raiders had the punt. Ray Guy booted it away. Redskins head coach Joe Gibbs made it clear from the start how he planned on winning this game. Running John Riggins. On the first three plays, Riggins carried the ball each time, getting a first down after the third carry. However, then the game plan changed. Feisman threw three passes in a row, and they were all incomplete. Hunter Jeff Hayes went back to kick. And he, on his punt, he had a block by the Raiders' Derek Jensen, who came right up the middle. Jensen ended up falling on top of the ball in the end zone for a touchdown, giving L.A. the early 7-0 lead. The Redskins went three and out, but they got the ball right back when the punt hit Raiders defensive back Ted Watts and defensive back Greg Williams recovered. Starting at the Los Angeles 42, Riggins took a carry and got a first down at the 31. Running back Joe Washington got the ball as far as the 27, but the Skins settled for a field goal attempt. Mosley missed his 44-yard field goal attempt wide to the left, and the score remained the same. King started the next drive out with a 10-yard run and a 7-yard catch. Plunkett then threw to Christensen for a first down at the Washington 44. But after that, the Raiders couldn't move the ball and they had to punt. Feisman completed a pass to Joe Washington for 10 yards. Then the Redskins had a punt as well. Second quarter now. And Allen ripped off a 17-yard run into Washington territory. Then the Raiders had the punt. So Todd Christensen, the tight end, was also the Raiders' long snapper. And this long snap, he launched over punter Ray Guy's head. But Guy leaped into the air, caught the bad snap with one hand, and punted it away for a touchback. Weisman completed a pass to Washington for a first down before Raiders linebacker Matt Millen sacked him and forced the Skins to punt. Plunkett heaved the pass downfield, which Brantz caught for a 50-yard gain. Two plays later, Plunkett threw another pass to Brands. Touchdown 12 yards out. The Raiders now had a 14-0 lead. Raiders linebacker Rod Martin, hero of Super Bowl 15, sacked Feisman. Feisman got a first down, though, throwing to receiver Alvin Garrett for a first down at the 30. He then fired a screen to tight end Clint Didier who took it for 18 yards. Riggins picked up the next two first downs before Raiders defensive back Lester Hayes got called for pass interference. Feisman hit Didier for another 20 yards, but the Redskins' drive died at the eight. Mosley made a 24-yard field goal to put the Redskins on the board.
The Raiders put together a good drive at the end of the first half. Allen took a pitch for 10 yards and plunked it through to Hawkins for a first down. Christensen hauled one in for 14 yards, and Brantz caught one for another 7. However, a holding penalty set the Raiders back, and they ended up punting. Guy bounced the ball down to the 12. Now, head coach Joe Gibbs of the Washington Redskins, he got a little too cute at the end of the half. Instead of sitting on the ball and going to the half with a 14-3 deficit, he instead chose to have Feisman throw a little screen pass to Joe Washington. The problem? The Redskins have run this exact play in this exact scenario earlier in the season against the Raiders. L.A. was ready for it this time. Linebacker Jack Squirek was put into the game, and he read Feisman perfectly, jumping in front of his screen pass, picking it off, and returning at five yards for a touchdown. What could have been a manageable first-half deficit had swelled into a 21-3 advantage for Los Angeles. In the second half, the Redskins came out with all guns blazing. Garrett returned to kick off 30 yards to the 35. Feisman then threw the Brown for the first time all day, and he picked up 23 yards. A couple of Riggins runs later, Feisman fired to running back Nick Giaquinto for 14 yards to the Los Angeles 26. Feisman hit Didier for another first half, before Riggins ran the ball on four consecutive plays. On the final of those runs, Riggins plowed into the end zone from one yard away. Touchdown, Washington Redskins. Raiders tight end Don Hasselbeck blocked the extra point, though, and the Raiders remained up by 12. The Raiders wasted no time in responding. Plunkett threw a long ball from receiver Malcolm Barnwell, driving a, or drawing a pass interference flag on defensive back Daryl Green. With good field position now, Plunkett threw the Christensen for a first down inside the 20. He converted a third down with a pass to Hawkins down to the 5, and two plays later, Allen ran up the middle to put for a touchdown to put the Raiders ahead 28-9. The Redskins started out the next drive with a flea flicker, but Bison was forced to settle for a short pass to Riggins for just four yards. They ended up going three and out. Plunkett started the new L.A. drive with a 10-yard pass to Allen, but the Raiders, too, had the punt. But then Los Angeles quickly forced the three and out, getting a sack by defensive tackle Bill Patel. It looked like the Skins were going to get a big break when Brantz fumbled away a reception and Anthony Washington recovered for Washington. But after a Feisman pass to Didier, the Skins were stopped on three runs in a row. The last one was a fourth and one play of the same ilk as the one Riggins had broken for a touchdown in Super Bowl 17. This time around, though, he was stuck. That opened up things for Marcus Allen to rip off the longest run in Super Bowl history, at least at the time. He took a handoff and started to his left, but he found nothing there. 
So he came back around to his right and burst through a hole and downfield, and soon he was in the end zone for a 74-yard touchdown. Los Angeles had a 35-9 lead after three quarters, and this one was all but over. The fourth quarter had a few big plays, but none of them affected the result of this game. Theismann completed a 60-yard bomb to Brown, but later in the drive, he was sacked by defensive back Mike Davis, and he fumbled, and Ron Martin recovered for Los Angeles. Later in the quarter, Theismann had a pass picked off by defensive back Mike Haynes. After another good run by Allen, which put him over the top for a Super Bowl record in rushing yards, the Raiders drove the ball into field goal range. Kicker Chris Barr made a 21-yard field goal, and the Raiders went on to win Super Bowl 18, 38-9, scoring the most points in Super Bowl history at the time and winning by the largest margin of victory, 29 points in Super Bowl history at the time. Allen was named MVP for his 191-yard record-breaking performance in this game. Truth be told, while he did have two touchdown runs, they both came with the Raiders already holding a big lead. So if I were to give out an MVP award to someone else, I'd have to give it to Squire. His pick six completely changed the game. Imagine if he doesn't get that and the Raiders and the Redskins make it 14-9 early in the th third quarter. You think that might have been a different game? Skyrick made only one play, but it was the most important one. For the losing team, I pick Anthony Washington as the best play player for the Redskins on this day. He got that fumble off France, which was pretty much the only good thing that happened to the Skins in this game. There really isn't anyone else to give it to. Riggins? No, he couldn't pick up that fourth and one when his team needed it most. Eisman? No. He threw the ball 35 times and only completed 16 of them with two interceptions. Maybe Charlie Brown for his 93 yards? Yeah, I'm going with him, Washington, instead. The least valuable player? This time I won't give it to a player. I'll give it to Joe Gibbs for his poor decision to throw that screen at the end of the half when everyone on the other sideline knew it was coming. Raiders head coach Tom Flores, who won his second Super Bowl and is on his way to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, he probably couldn't believe what good fortune was for Gibbs to run that play and give Los Angeles a free seven points. Sorry, Gibbs, but you'll get full redemption a few seasons from now. The biggest play, of course, we've talked about, Squirrick's pick six at the end of the first half. Allen's big run came with the game out of reach. I mean, as fun as it was watched, it really, it, as fun as it was to watch, it really didn't affect the outcome of the game, but it, it was a great run. As for the biggest play no one remembers, how about the pass interference call on Daryl Green on the Raiders' first drive of the second half? That gave the Raiders great field position, which they took advantage of shortly afterward. The Raiders still win, probably, without scoring a touchdown, but that pass interference flag made the touchdown happen, and you never know. 
Who's the best player of this game you've never heard of? Well, how about defensive tackle Bill Pacal? He had a sack, and he helped the Raiders press or Feisman into six sacks on the day. The Raiders forced the Redskins into 50 yards of losses from their half-dozen sacks, and Pacal was a big force in calling, causing most of those. Marcus Allen's 74-yard touchdown run stood as the longest run in Super Bowl history for 22 years. In Super Bowl 40, Pittsburgh Steelers running back Willie Parker ripped off a 75-yard run for a touchdown, breaking his record. That's the answer to today's pop quiz. Parker's record still stands, 75 yards. As for homework, this time I'm going with The Raiders Encyclopedia by Richard J. Smelter. It contains all Raiders information up to the year 2010. If you want more about the 1983 season, then pick up my book, Great 80s, at TommyAPhillips.com. Now, um, I have an announcement to make, and that is that... I am going to be taking a uh, summer break hiatus for a little while, so the next episode won't come for a month or two, but I will be back and I will be continuing this podcast all the way until we reach Super Bowl 56, so uh Make sure to visit my site, TommyAPhillips.com, find my books there. I'll be back, but until then, so long. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Each week, the official Football Learning Academy podcast will take you deep into the history of pro football through interviews with players, coaches, or administrators in the NFL, as well as interviews with Pro Football Hall of Fame selectors, authors, and historians. You'll learn how the game evolved and important moments that shaped the sport into what it is today. And don't miss the Pro Football History Nugget of the Week. Listen to the official Football Learning Academy podcast on the Sports History Network. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.